Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Oh, just like the Hawkeye Twitter account, Mac and Boomer are silent tonight. <laughs> That's great, Honk. Uh, that, this is all true. Uh, the Hawkeye football account got muted there on Twitter. And uh, we also are minus Mac and Boomer tonight. Uh, They're busy out doing other stuff. But Honky and I wanted to talk uh, some Husker sports, right? We got a little bit of football, a little bit of basketball, and we want to... Uh, touch on uh, kind of a Big Ten baseball tourney primer for those folks interested in, in Husker baseball. So uh, let's do a quick and fast show. Hopefully it's enjoyable. Honk, let's uh, start off with some football stuff, huh? Yeah, I think uh, probably the big news that came out of the last day or two is Dedrick Mills making the grade. And so he's now going to be on campus is tomorrow. We're recording right now on Tuesday night, but he should be on campus with the team already starting tomorrow. So that's that's great news there. There's a lot of people that were concerned, and I think we've tried to say this over the, the course of the last few weeks, is that it's not something worth getting all, all riled up over. Just let these situations take their course. He's going to be here. Uh, the team, the freshmen, the incoming guys, they should be getting here next week, I believe, and then they're lifting earlier than pretty much any other year that we've ever been starting. So Frost isn't wasting any time. These guys are going to get a get a full summer of of the War Daddy Up movement with Duvall and and uh, be ready to come uh, fall camp. Yeah, it sounds like this will be the longest summer session they've ever had, right? I mean, they're really getting an extra almost two weeks of that uh, War Daddy movement, uh, which is really interesting. I mean, it takes a lot of dedication, a lot of time. It's also great that these guys are on campus, especially the young guys, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to take some summer classes, get themselves acclimated to uh, college life and all that type of stuff. So, Yeah, absolutely. I think Riley would normally bring them in like the end of June, and by 4th of July they were done. They used, It was about yeah. a three- or four-day summer lift there. But, uh, yeah, different Frost... philosophy. Different philosophy <laughs> for certain. Just a, just a little different. All right, yeah, so it sounds like uh, roster will be – everything will be in town very shortly – we now know uh, Mills is there. Now we're just kind of waiting on Maurice Washington in that situation, and that may still play out over the summer. Uh, but hopefully it turns out just as well. Another big uh, news, Javon DeWitt, uh, Coach, he uh, posted on Twitter here that he's back on the road again this week, which is awesome to hear. You know, coming back, that. obviously, from, from the cancer and the treatments and everything that he's been doing for the last few months. So that is just – we're very happy for him. Great stuff. Uh, another thing is with preseason magazines, they started coming out here in the last week or so. And, you know, what was it? Street and Smith and Athlon had Nebraska, both of them had us winning the West, which has riled up kind of, uh, hilariously a little bit riled up some Wisconsin fans, even some Wisconsin journalists was on Twitter today, just spouting off. He was kind of, he was like Zach Smith at Ohio state, just going off. And like, like, if it doesn't bother you, if it's not if it's not under your skin, why are you freaking out so much, right? I mean, like, I mean, you know, like, shouldn't you just be like, be quiet and say, you know, prove it on the field? But oh no, you like totally. Uh, I mean, what do you expect? The guy, I don't know who this guy was, but he was like, you know, calling out Nebraska fans for being thin-skinned. And I'm like, so you do something like that on Twitter? What do you expect from Twitter, for goodness sakes, guys? I mean, come on, David anyway. Hookstead. Yeah, David Hookstead. 
He says, Nebraska was once a proud football program. Now they're a joke in the Big Ten, despite the fact some of you want to believe they can beat Wisconsin. There's a better chance I'm married to six models by tomorrow than the Cornhuskers beat the Badgers. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I I take those odds all day long at some point, whether it's this year or next year, because that that guy's not marrying six models and we will beat Wisconsin at some point. And I think it might be this year. We'll see. Yeah. Um, Yes. Are you sour much? David Hook said that doesn't sound like it was honky to your original point on that is like, it's not Nebraska fans calling this out. We have some apprehension about this season. Right. But it's, it's Athlon and street and Smith that, that picks us to win the West. And, you know, we were texting back and forth with our buddy, Io Sean, my neighbor. And uh, I mean, the point of the big 10 West being just wide open here. Sure. Nebraska gets, gets picked first in both of those magazines. My sense is that a few others will come out and we're going to be farther down that list. Iowa was picked second in one of those. I can't remember which one and sixth in the other. So Mm -hmm. it feels like outside of Illinois, I think it's a random draw, one through six, practically. I don't know if Nebraska would fall down that far, but I could see us being third or fourth easily in a few magazines by the end of um, uh, this off season. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess in other news too, Martinez uh, got the invite to the uh, to the Manning camp. Uh, we talked about it last week; he hadn't had it yet. So, he, I guess Archie gave a call to, to Frost and and got everything approved there. So. I mean, not that not that we needed that validation, but Martinez is absolutely being viewed as a top five, ten quarterback right now in the country, and that's just heading into his second season. By the end of this year, I mean, if he has the kind of season that people are thinking, he, he is absolutely going to be, you know, New Maybe York that's quality. That's why Street and Smith and Athlon picked us number one, and not Wisconsin, right? Because they probably might be starting a true freshman quarterback. Yeah, it's it's crazy how that works out. Yeah, last year we weren't picked that. I mean, and we didn't perform that well, but our two freshmen lived up to that billing. If Graham Mertz produces like Martinez, then Wisconsin's going to be more formidable foe um, when we come play him. So we'll see. And I guess the last thing, uh, maybe on the football front, and this is a little bit of a social media, a couple of things I wanted to bring up. The, uh, the Husker social media account did a really cool thing with Husker Cave, hashtag Husker Cave. So it's it's all about man caves and and send in some photos of your of your best Husker man caves. And uh, it's been really kind of cool and fun to watch what people are, are sending out there, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, some of these ones, like I send in my basement here and this is okay. I mean, this is nothing crazy, but it's, it's 20 years of me adding stuff in there. And then I'm just like in awe when I see some of these guys that have like bought like jerseys and helmets and like have complete uniforms. And I'm talking like 10 or 15 uniforms and they're behind glass cases. And it's like, you're walking around North stadium you know, yeah. I'm like, holy smokes, dudes. But that's cool. I mean, you know, every Husker fan's got their own kind of cool little things. I, I, I had to we have say a podcast, that, honky. Yeah, we have, <laughs> well, you know, yeah. uh, in my photo, there was a microphone, you know, in the, in the middle of it. Right. But my coolest thing though, and I posted this on Twitter after I posted the basement photo is I have a letter from Lyle Bremser, KFAB Lyle Bremser sent to my grandma and it says, you know, Mrs. Honky, you know, thanks for writing and, and, you know, thanks for enjoying the, the broadcast. And you people in Columbus should be proud of Joe Blaha and, and Bill Cush. Right, <laughs> you know, and it, nice. it was from November of 70. So it's like, that's, that's great. Uh, I'll take that over any, any other trinket I could get, but very cool. And uh, the other thing on social media, we are now being followed by Jacquez Green. And maybe for the younger followers that, that don't know who that is. 
he was a wide receiver and a, a Hall of Famer for Florida, played against us in the, the Fiesta Bowl in 1995. Um, gosh, if I remember correctly, I think he's the one that got like his hip dislocated by, I think Makovica tackled him on a punt or kick return. Oh, really? Yeah, but but Green was a heck of a player. Well, anyways, he posted something about, uh, he was talking about the 95 team being the greatest of all time, Nebraska. Like, he was so supportive of the Nebraska team. I think it was one of those uh, Twitter, you know. he experienced it firsthand, right? Yeah, well, I think it was like, who's who would win, 2001 Miami or 95 Nebraska? Right. And, and, he sa- and he just defended the heck out of Nebraska. He just talked about how, you know, Amon Green, you know, wasn't even a starter and, and how good he was and the O-lines and everybody on defense played in the pros. And uh, so I retweeted him and, you know, went back and forth with him. And all of a sudden, boom, we've got him following us, which was kind of cool. So, uh, yeah. And now, Nebraska ball. All right, let's let's talk a little basketball, right? It feels like finally slowed down now. But we said that last week and less than 24 hours after we recorded that show, uh, we had – Another uh, busy day of Nebraska basketball recruiting where Fred Hoiberg uh, landed uh, additional recruits. Let's see if I remember. It was Derek Walker, which is a uh, sit-out transfer from Tennessee. So Tennessee, very good team this year. Honestly, could have um, probably won the national title there. So good. And I think Derek Walker didn't play that much, but uh, he was probably anticipated to contribute quite a bit next year. Uh, Chose to move on. And Horberg reeled him in. He's going to sit out, but he's 6'8", another big 6'8", 240 type guy mm-hmm. out of the KC area. So he's actually close to home and familiar with Nebraska. I think he actually visited uh, here back in 2015 or so. And then uh, even a bigger surprise later that afternoon, Samari Curtis, who is a kind of three or four star, um, six foot four combo guard out of Ohio. He was uh, Mr. Basketball in Ohio, if I'm not mistaken, uh, committed, and uh, he had various different commitments to Xavier and Cincinnati, but um, with coaches leaving, had had moved on, and um, Hoiberg and company swoops in. So, uh, Honky, uh, what this tells you, though, right, is that that is actually 14 scholarships, and they're at a limit of 13, so kind of the writing seems to be on the wall about Isaiah Roby, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, the only option would be if Roby came back, which we don't think will happen, but if Roby came back, you'd start to look at Thor's position really as being, if Roby wanted to come back, they'd find a spot for him somehow, but it's pretty limited on who they'd have to go after to to give him a spot. And I think what we're looking at pretty much is I think we're looking at this as Roby's going to go pro, he's going to get drafted, and so he's probably on his way out. That's probably why they went with their 14 and, and... just the two guys you mentioned there, Curtis and Walker, it's kind of the perfect microcosm of what Hoiberg and staff can do in one offseason. We talked about it right when he got hired. We said what he did at Iowa State in that first offseason was bring in 10 guys right away, and six of them were transfers, four were high school. It wasn't like he was against bringing in high school guys. People think it's only transfers. He's bringing in both, right? And that's what he did here with Walker and Curtis. There was a good article that was in the World Herald on Hoiberg and Dave, you saw that one photo where uh, Devaney is holding Classic Hoiberg's photo. younger brother because Hoiberg's like the little kid standing off to, to Devaney's left. But it was a really good article with, with Hoiberg. And then there was also – well, what was the other thing that was – oh, there was a Q&A that was on the, the Athletic. And that was with Hoiberg, and he really laid out his philosophy and his plan. And he talked about how right now 
with high school kids, you get so many right now, but as you get better, as you, as we actually show things on the court in the next year or two, you'll, it'll start to transition into more high school kids and not, and not having to rely on so many transfers. Although with the transfer portal, the way it is, I mean, who knows? I mean, that's going to be a pretty consistent thing now. No, absolutely. That was a great article on, on the athletic, you know, just really good read on, on Hoiberg and, and where he's at and how he sees this playing out. So it's good stuff. To, the Omaha World of Herald one, uh, if you haven't, the listeners have not seen that photograph of, it's uh, the three Hoiberg boys, Fred's older brother and little little brother, and his little brother is being held by Bob Devaney. Oh, and so it's cool. at a uh, Jerry Bush, um, like they're putting a plaque up in the, and, and you call a scene, probably late 70s or so. And so, I mean, that, that actually really resonated with me in the sense of like, I mean, that the fact that Fred Hoiberg knows Bob Devaney, right? I mean, he like, mm-hmm. I mean, Fred was old enough in that photograph that he would remember Bob Devaney. I mean, most Nebraska fans would just die for that experience. When you think about how deep the ties do actually run in the Hoiberg family with Nebraska, really gives you an indication of, of how strong those ties are. So it was really cool. Yeah, that was, and that's some great journalism there by uh, by Omaha World Herald's Chris Hetty, and that's you know that's something that uh, it's it really does help tell the story of one of the reasons why Hoiberg is here because he could have gone to a lot of places. That question was asked again on the athletic and uh, national on a national stage. They're like, why Nebraska? Yep. And besides the fact that you know he he explains why from a you know just the tangible hey the facilities and the the support and all the things that we talked about a thousand times right. Like, it shouldn't be hard to sell why you would come here. But when he gets that question why, he also has that, that history, that background here, that the family past. And it's, it's, that, that photo was just brilliant. Yep. It's probably sitting someone in, uh, you know, Fred Horberg's mom's, like, you know, photo collection over the last 30 or 40 years and uh, finally just got dug out. So, yep. Pretty cool. All right, Honk, you ready to talk a little baseball? Let's do it. And now, Around the Van Horn. Last weekend, Nebraska did exactly what they needed to do and take two of three from from Michigan, which puts them, I would say, pretty safely in the NCAA tournament at this point. Uh, they were really close to sweeping that game, and it got pretty interesting. They won, won the first two. Honky made it to... I went to Friday, uh, the midday game, the, the game that right. was supposed to be played on Saturday that got moved up to right. Friday. Huskers took that one in the what, seven, seven zip. Is that right? Seven zero. Yeah. Bats, yeah. bats came alive in the sixth inning. I think it was, we, we, we hit five and that was yep. all she wrote. Yep. On Thursday night's game on BTN one, five, two, um, took it really, you know, Erstad, uh, hasn't buttoned a, a lot this year. They had had some opportunities in that game. Uh, I think it was Alex Henwood who who missed an opportunity to really get a good bunt down earlier. Second time around, he does it again, forces Michigan to make a play. Pitcher overthrows third base, gets two in, and um, and that's all they all they really needed. Um, not as good of a pitching performance on the second half of that doubleheader on Friday night. It was a very late game, so it was a pretty unusual play. That instance. Uh, Nebraska was playing for uh, at least the two seed against Michigan, which uh, Michigan ultimately got. And if Indiana would have lost, they would have actually had tied for first place. A lot on the line there. um, Wasn't able to quite pull it off. But point is, very productive weekend, which now has has put Nebraska in a good position in state tournament. D1 Baseball today has released their 
their projected bracket. Nebraska is a two seed. So uh, in the course of about three or four weeks, we went from being a, a two seed in the tournament to a three seed to being on the wrong side of the bubble to coming back up to a three and back to a two. So peaks and valleys, right? Yeah, and being that two seed, that just gives us that much more room for error, I guess I'd say, in the next couple of days. If we don't you know, win out or, or win a couple of games here in the Big Ten tournament, I still think we're going to get in no matter what, even if it was a three seed somewhere. So uh, yep. that is helpful. We're 28-20 and 20 right now. So worst case scenario, if we lost our first two games in Omaha, we'd finish the season 28-22. We still think that that's good enough with, uh, you know, victories on the road at Baylor, uh, at home against Michigan, against uh, Arizona State, Texas Tech victory, uh, a solid RPI, one victory at least over over Creighton, who is ranked now. All those things would lead us to think that that at the very least would be a three seed. But that's let's not limp in is is I think what we want to talk about, Dave. And this has been Erstad, yeah. the big bugaboo against him is that he hasn't had that postseason uh, success, and this is not the time to be limping in here. Let let let's do well in front of big crowds. Sure, absolutely. There's no doubt. I mean, this is a a really interesting Big Ten tournament. Uh, what Nebraska has going for it would be those big crowds and uh, a pretty scrappy team. I think Tom Chattel called them scrappy a couple of days ago on the bottom line. I'm like, yeah, that's what that's what they are. To, to come back and, and their back was up against the wall. I think Erste was able to get them to play a little looser finally and get those bats going. Uh, but I, there's eight teams in this Big Ten tournament. I'd, I'd say at least six of them feel like they could win the thing. You know, Iowa has been struggling. They lost their last five, but that's a, a team that thought they were in the tournament a couple weeks ago, and they went the other direction. When we went up, they went down. But that's a team that's won some good games uh, in the Big Ten and even non-conference. Uh, they beat UC at, uh, Irvine in a, a, a series not that long ago. And so Iowa's the eighth seed and thinks they can probably um, make some noise in this tournament. And then, you know, Ohio State and Maryland, a little bit more iffy, I suppose, uh, even though Maryland uh, is finishing pretty strong here. And Ohio State actually did beat Michigan once this year, so you never know. But then after that, you've got Nebraska at five, Minnesota at four. That's who we're playing on uh, Wednesday night at nine o'clock. You have Illinois at three. Illinois is ranked, and they have the best RPI in the league. They are playing. They probably think if they could win this tournament, they could get a, a regional host position there in a one seed you've got Michigan at two who needs to win a little bit I think they probably are more on the bubble than Nebraska RPI is lower don't have as many quality wins hockey ran off Nebraska's kind of resume there and if you listen to some of these national podcasts for for college baseball and and dives into the website quite a bit it's a kind of a what you call a soft bubble this year there's a a lot of teams that have some flaws on resumes, et cetera, and they're probably going to make it in because there's not a lot of other compelling cases, um, right? And so, you know, Michigan's got got some flaws on that resume, but they, they probably need a, a win to feel really good. And then you've got an Indiana team that's kind of similar to Illinois, a little lower in the RPI, just won that regular season title, though. And if they could pair that regular season title with a conference championship, a tournament championship, they could also be a one seat. So there's a lot of teams playing for a lot of stuff in Omaha. Should be fun. So we're looking at two teams that potentially could even be host of regionals out of this conference if the right things happen for either Illinois or Indiana. Yeah, you wouldn't get both of them, but I think there's a chance one of them. That's the same 
Same thing goes for Creighton, for example. Creighton is probably trying to play for a potential one seed as well. Yeah. If Nebraska, you know, won out, you know, and get and wins the tournament, there's we have no chance at a at a one seed, right? I, I don't think so. No. I mean, I think that'd be a huge stretch. I don't think our RPI could get high enough, and I don't think the resume. I think if you just threw a couple extra wins on there somewhere, yeah, it could have happened. But uh, I think that that story had has has left the. The building, but I think they could move up in the two seed and improve their their positioning. It's interesting with the regionals. The top sixteen teams obviously host, and the top eight are pretty much guaranteed if they went out to to play at home the entire time. The selection committee tries to do their best to put the rest of the seeds in locations that make sense from a geography for both travel. Um, you know, distance and expenses as well as fan followings. And so mm-hmm. they likely, even though Nebraska could move up the the, the chart as a, a two seed, I don't know if that really changes a lot of our options. Um, I think, for example, doing baseball's projections, we were a three seed last week in Stillwater. Now we're a two seed in Stillwater, right? <laughs> so we're still going to Oklahoma State, right? And so um, the, the odds of us, you know, being sent to, you know, Miami or something as the two seed is, is probably relatively low could happen because they're mm-hmm. eventually run out of teams to put places, but they're going to try to uh, put us as close as home as possible. So, so let me throw a, a scenario out at you. Uh, and, and Husker fans don't like to think this way, but should we be rooting for Creighton right now? Is there a possibility if we do well and if obviously Creighton does well and they, they win their tournament and let's say Creighton can find their way into being a host of a regional could Nebraska find their, their way into Omaha as a two or three seed? <laughs> however, however, I don't care what our seed is. And heck, while we're at, while we're at it, UNO wins the Summit League like they won the the regular season, and uh, UNO is the four seed. I mean, is yeah, that what we well, could see? That, that would be fun, wouldn't it? That, That'd that would, be a well attended tournament, I believe. <laughs> I think so. I think Omaha, <laughs> Omaha, with both of their their you know hometown teams and. and and the little school from Lincoln coming over there, I think that could be a fun, uh, fun little couple days. Yeah, uh, I think it's an extreme long shot. I think the tournament committee is not that cruel to Creighton. If you award them a one seed and then you give them Nebraska, and they're <laughs> it's like not being the the host any longer, right? Um, you'd have a good amount of Creighton fans there, no matter what, but you'd also have a huge amount of Nebraska fans suddenly. Uh, so I, I doubt that would happen. Now the the Creighton UNO thing, I've seen. I think right now the projection, uh, just going off a of memory here, I think they have Creighton as maybe the two down in in Fayetteville with Arkansas, and UNO is the four, and okay. so they are actually in the same one there again from that geography mm-hmm. standpoint. So that that's possible uh, that those guys would would be in the same bracket, but maybe not in Omaha. Would they do a Omaha as a four seed and Creighton as a one in in TD Ameritrade? That's more reasonable than having Nebraska in that bracket, I suppose. So there's a better odds of that one. But that's a it's a fun thing to think about because we essentially would be getting a home regional um, without actually earning it. But good question, good question, Hunk. Yeah, it'd be wonderful. So you know, I think that it's a fun weekend for college baseball fans. If uh, you know, you start to warm up here. Most ne- Nebraska college baseball fans are rooted in the World Series, right? Um, and then you know that fandom, and that fan base really grew with 
when Dave Van Horn took over Nebraska and we suddenly had hope um, to do well. And he had a lot of success. To your point about Erstad, Van Horn had a lot of success in the postseason. Tom Chattel, uh, Harold Arlco just came out talking about that. And, um, you know, if Erstad could have some success this weekend or this following weekend, that would change some of the naysayers. Um, because it seems like, you know, Erstad has a good formula. I mentioned this in last week's podcast of, of making the tournament. Challenge yourself really hard in the non-conference. Build up that strength of schedule and RPI. Then finish in the top four or five of the, the Big Ten, and you'll likely make the tournament. But how does he construct a, a program that has a roster that actually can advance in that tournament is yet to be seen. And it hasn't won a lot of postseason games since we made a run in the Big Ten tournament back in, when was that, probably 13 or so, when we lost Indiana in front of 20,000. Mm-hmm. So this is a big weekend uh, to start going in the right direction, to your point. No reason to cool off now. Uh, try to beat Minnesota. Minnesota's an interesting squad. We lost to them, if you remember, Honk. I guess that was in March up in um, Minneapolis, two out of three. Yeah, with a walk-off. Two walk-offs. Yeah. Yeah, the Friday was a extra innings, uh, I think a, a three-run home sh- home run or something like that. Remember right, and then the um, the walk off on Sunday was like a wild pitch or something, and so uh, two tough ways to lose a game, and we were right there. the The middle game we won ten to one, and the the pitcher that we'll be going against uh, tomorrow night, Fredrickson, very typical Minnesota name, mm-hmm. uh, was a freshman All American pitcher last year. Minnesota was kind of picked to win the Big Ten this year because their pitching staff, Max Meyer and and uh, Fredrickson. Um, both have had injury problems. I don't think Meyer will pitch at all this week. He's been out for a while. Fredrickson got bombed by Nebraska when we, we played him. He's pitched better as of late, but I think that's the question. If Minnesota's uh, pitching stays suspect and we get some runs on the board to support Waldron, we might be all right. I want to talk about how you know ending the season and having some momentum is important right now, and it's been it's been a struggle for, for Erstad in the postseason the last few years. Well, when you go back just two weeks ago, and after that first loss against Arizona State, that Friday night loss, and we just got bombed. And what was the score? Like fifteen to two or six? I want to say at the end. Oh, uh, we scored some runs at the end. Yeah, it's just just awful, right? And I think every Husker baseball fan just kind of hung their head and went, "Oh no, just not. We this is not what we need right now. This is the wrong timing." And for that team to turn around and to to win the next four games. You know, winning the series against Arizona State and then taking the first two against Michigan. And it was a tough third game. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I fell asleep <laughs> in that third game because it started at, uh, you know, 10 o'clock or whatever the heck it yeah, was. And yeah. by the time it actually got, got going. So I fell asleep like in the sixth inning and woke up the next morning and found out we lost. But um, this is the Michigan series. The right? Michigan series, yeah. And tomorrow, tomorrow's going to be a late one too. So. Because I'm sure there's no way any weather could ever affect any games in Omaha. That never happens. So I'm yeah. sure the the game will, you know, first pitch will be right at 9 p.m. But my understanding is they look looks like weather might be okay tomorrow. Is that right? And then maybe a little shakier on on Thursday. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a little bit more room on on the Friday schedule typically. So uh, if they could get through win, uh, Wednesday's games, um, okay. Keep in mind, you know. If you look at other conference tourney schedules, you're fitting a lot of games into one ballpark in a short amount of time. So everybody's got crazy um, schedules. The Big Ten is a little bit extreme. They do an, essentially four games in a 12-hour span from a start time, 9 a.m., 1 p.m., 5 p.m., and 9 p.m. So they're giving four-hour windows for each game. 
trying mm-hmm. to keep that on schedule. You may see other tournaments where they might try to be saying three or three and a half hours between games, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and that's that, and they just kind of live with everything getting bumped back if something goes to extra innings. Uh, I don't, I don't know the the pro or con of that scheduling, but the reality is from a fan base standpoint. I remember Nebraska starting the tournament in past years at 9 a.m. and the tournament attendance being a little bit lower than what you'd want because you're starting at 9 a.m. on a Wednesday morning, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, it's late uh, tomorrow night, but it, it's, it's better than 9 a.m., I'll tell you that. And they should be able to have a good crowd there, and we'll see if that has an impact on uh, the overall um, game and how Minnesota reacts to playing in front of you know, 10 or, you know, 11,000 fans. Yeah. I do do want to mention one thing too, was a uh, big red business, an article that the Husker online has been putting out for, for months now, but they just did a nice one the other day on the baseball tournament being in Omaha and the, the financial, the economic side of it with Nebraska showing up. Cause as we all remember a year ago, that did not happen. And so, and it's crazy. Even last year, with absolutely no Nebraska playing in it, I think they still had like twelve thousand people show up for the entire tournament, which still beat what was going on at Target Field up in Minnesota. So, yep, that's right. but but obviously Nebraska playing there is huge. Dave, you you were down with me and Boomer. We went to the uh, that Indiana uh, Nebraska twenty thousand people fin- yep, finale. I mean, right. the, that was just unreal. And so. Uh, it's it's awesome to have it in Omaha if Nebraska makes it there and and we get the crowd support. I mean that that can be an unbelievable location and that hopefully can help elevate Big Ten baseball. Because I think Dave, you made the, the the really good point. You texted us and then I I tweeted it out and we had some good response on it. You texted how you know Creighton is ranked right now and won the Big East and UNO wins the Summit and Nebraska looks pretty much like a surefire. Lock. So, I mean, we're talking about if, if UNO wins their, their postseason, Nebraska, the state of Nebraska could have three teams in there in, in the NCAA tournament and not bad for a northern state uh, that has three conferences that don't, you know, emphasize baseball very much. I mean, that's really yeah. pretty impressive. And, um, you know, and, and anything we can do, Nebraska specifically, to elevate the level of baseball in the Big Ten is a positive right now because the Big Ten – there's going to be three guaranteed and probably four teams coming out of this conference this year into the NCAA tournament. When we joined the Big Ten, we were a one or maybe two, you know, team Big, kind of yeah, league. That's right. Yep. So I mean, it is getting better. This is not this is not your your grandpa's Big Ten baseball. There are <laughs> there's better baseball. It's not John played. Anderson's Big Ten baseball, the Minnesota coach, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this he's is your grandpa. This <laughs> is better baseball being played. The facilities have improved across the board, and uh, and to your point at the very beginning here, Dave, we have eight teams in here, and for the most part, I'd say six or seven of them really think they have a legitimate shot. Yeah, I'd probably throw Maryland in there too. Maybe Ohio State might be the only one who's just thinking, "Oh, we're lucky we got here." Maryland mm-hmm. as a program thinks they should be, um, you know, kind of like Nebraska, you know, competing for the Big Ten every year. Uh, pretty young team, if I'm not mistaken. So they'll, they'll be back, I would guess. So you know. To Indiana, I mean, there's a program. They've gone through three head coaches now. Uh, Tracy Smith left to go to Arizona State. Uh, Chris uh, Lamuse, I forget how you pronounce his name. He left for Mississippi State uh, last year. 
and uh, now the uh, their new guy, I'm going to fail his name right now, Walker, I want to say. Um, uh, uh, three coaches already that have, I think all, all each one of them probably won a Big Ten title. So uh, that's a program that's finding uh, some sustained success. Mm-hmm. And um, ne- the Big Ten needs that. I mean, Nebraska, as many critics uh, of that we have and the expectations that we have in this program, uh, he's probably going to get us to four tournaments in eight years and really could have had a fifth one if it wasn't for a, a, a technicality, essentially. He's just got to start producing in that postseason at some point. That's where it gets fun, right? You know, because mm-hmm. uh, if we're projected to be in, in Stillwater against Oklahoma State or we could land in Arkansas in Fayetteville, that could be a fun one. Or we go out to the West Coast potentially or down in Texas. Uh, let's let's make some noise, you know, and uh, that's where uh, the interest really would, would peak and that probably would help from a recruiting standpoint, et cetera, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, and think about that interest. I've heard rumblings from people that, you know, there just isn't quite the interest in baseball as, as we had 10 years ago and 15 years ago, obviously. But we're still getting 4,500 people a game. And you just mentioned Indiana and all the success Indiana's had. And they're yeah. doing quite well, honestly, from a fan base standpoint showing up. They're probably getting, what, 1,500, 2,000 games? Yeah, I'm just like 1,700, I think they might have I mean, or something like and, that. And that's outstanding, quite honestly, yeah, like yeah, top- for the Big Ten. Probably a top forty uh, draw essentially in the country. Yeah, uh, and number two in the Big Ten after Nebraska. Yeah, I mean a, a, a clear drop from Nebraska, but then after in Indiana, there's probably a pretty clear drop to number three. I watched on BTN that series a weekend ago, two weekends ago, when Michigan was hosting Indiana. I mean, huge series, huge games, and Michigan they just had dozens of people there. Maybe <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean it was. Yeah. And I know the weather was kind of cold and stuff, but who cares? That was just like, it was, it was so fitting to see that going on in Ann Arbor, and then here we are in Lincoln the next weekend hosting, hosting Michigan, and we've got sold out. Oh my gosh, we had thousands of people there for a Friday game at three o'clock in the afternoon. It was it was great yeah. to see. Yeah, no, it, it's it is one of those things you'd like to see that start to expand, and um, you know, starts with Indiana, maybe you start to see Illinois or. One of the other programs also start to see greater fan interest, but um, it happened at Nebraska and it happened else, uh, elsewhere. They just, you know, we, we need to do our part as well, and that's um, raising the Big Ten's competition level. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see where this goes. All right, Honk, that's good stuff. Good stuff. I'm glad we had a chance to chat baseball a little bit before the Big Ten tournament, and hopefully that'll help a few of our listeners be uh, the most educated Husker baseball fan in, in your uh <laughs> your uh, peer group this weekend. Uh, anything else you want to add, Hunk? Nope. Nope. I'm good. All right, man. All right. Well, do you have a party shot? Yeah. Well, you know, I'll throw a couple out here. I, I want to give uh, some big credit to the, uh, to the red casters out there that, that were sending pineapple to us after the last show, uh, after about an hour long show last week, uh, we said pineapple and tweet us that. And we've had, oh my gosh, 10, 12 people text us pineapple or tweet us pineapple, which is, Pretty cool. So uh, this week, uh, the word is kumquat. So send us kumquat, and that will, Excellent. That would be great. Um, want to give a shout-out to Husker History. They're with uh, the Omaha World Herald, and they've created a database. And it's basically – it's it's like Husker Max, but i got to admit it's pretty smooth and slick. And, and you can go through the history of Nebraska football year by year, game by game. They have all kinds of stats, and it's really well done. So if you get a chance, go to Husker History 
on uh, on Twitter. They sent a link out to that uh, today, and it's worth your time. And last but not least, there was a really good article, and it was in, I think, the World Herald, Journal Star, a bunch of different spots. Former Oregon wide receiver Keenan Lowe, uh, who was the teacher at Park Rose High, he prevented a mass shooting basically last week by tackling the player or tackling the student that came in with a gun. He was interviewed and he highlighted he was coached by Frost when he when Frost was at, at Oregon, and he highlighted how Coach Frost gave advice at team meetings about just life. It was it went beyond you know football and. And he specifically talked about, you know, being prepared for moments when things like this would could happen and how you act. You have to prepare yourself before the moment ever happens. And so the fact that he brought that up and that Coach Frost, you know, gave some kind of advice that, that helped lead him to be able to make decisions the way that he did and, and prevent that kind of tragedy, that's just unbelievable. And And when I was reading that article, it made me think a little bit of Coach Frost talking about Osborne at the coaches clinic how Osborne would, would bring up life lessons during right in the middle of some offensive, you know, position meeting. He would just bring up these life lessons just to get players thinking something different. And, and Frost was did something like that 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 had this effect. I, I just it blew me away to read those articles. And if you get a chance, uh, Redcasters, go out there and, and, and read them. It, that well worth it. Yeah, it was great stuff and uh, very cool that yeah, uh, you know, Frost obviously had that type of impact on his life, and thus that um ha- has cascaded down to having him having a big impact on the students that he sees every day. So very yep. cool, great hunk, great stuff. Looking forward to the baseball tournament, and uh, hopefully we have a, a show to talk about next week where we can uh, break down Nebraska's regional hopes and um talk a little bit more baseball so for now let's call that a go big red cast beat minnesota